Welcome to Women's Wellness with Bevy. I'm Amber and with Bronwyn here, we've created Bevy, a wonderful community for women where they can concentrate on becoming the best versions of themselves. You can find Bevy online at bevy.nz and take a look around at all the great resources we've collated to help women look after themselves physically, mentally and emotionally. Workouts, yoga, meditation, nutritional advice, inspirational interviews like this one and so much more in one easy to find location. You don't have to do it all, just do what seems to you because after all, it's all about you. Come and check it out and be part of a community of supportive women right here waiting for you. Okay, so let's get going with today's Bevy Banter guest. Joining us today on the Bevy Banter, we have the vivacious Lottie Roberts. When I met Lottie 15 years ago, she was on fire, a national level, long distance runner, mother of two boys, busy career with Bank of New Zealand. This chick had it all together until one day the self-proclaimed perfectionist felt it falling apart. The burnout was real and Lottie herself made some big changes, ditching the high pressured corporate world for her own business, helping others and focused on herself. Since then, she has traded her running shoes for a yoga mat, had another beautiful boy with her husband, James, has started her own business, Mind You, helping companies to embrace, lead, and navigate change mindfully, and also hosts a podcast called The Vulnerability Project. Uh, Effect, sorry, The Vulnerability Effect. Um, I also feel she could put out a channel or or book based on her uh, raw food creations. (laughs) Follow her on uh, Facebook. Some really nice, delicious treats there. Uh, so when Bevy was born, Lottie was actually one of the first people we put on our wish list to interview to share her story and expertise on mindfulness. And here we are at Lottie's beautiful home uh, with the lady herself. So welcome, Lottie, and thank you for having us today. Thank you. I feel quite chuffed that somebody's called me vivacious. Haven't <laughs> <laughs> called that for a while. And that was so early in the. I know. Early in the <laughs> you were winning already. Exactly. Yeah, you can exactly. come back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Issa, so to start us off, Lottie, um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like who you are, and what motivates you to be the best ever version of yourself? Um, so, I mean, you just did an amazing intro. I was pretty impressed by that. <laughs> um, I have to get you to write all my <laughs> promotion <laughs> material. Uh, so, I'm Lottie Roberts. I'm a mum of three boys, um, and I live in Wellington, but I'm originally, you can probably tell a little bit of a... English twang, yeah. so I've been in New Zealand for 16 and a half years. Um, I work, I have a business, mind you. Um, it's kind of interesting when people ask me what I do, um, the, the big thing that I'm really trying to enable people to do is to help people to flourish in their lives. Um, and the reason I choose the word flourish is because flourish is at the upper end of the mental health spectrum. Mm-hmm. And um, mental health or um, the decline in mental health is going to be seen as the biggest health crisis at the World Health Organization. So I think it's, um, you know, the, the stats on it, I can't re- remember exactly, but it's something like a 70% of the population in the world are going to have some kind of ailing mental health. Mm-hmm. So if we're not flourishing, we tend to be languishing. So my business is all about how do I get people individually to flourish, but also businesses yes. um, make cultures to flourish. Um, so I haven't always done this. My business has been going for three years now. But up until then, I was um, in the corporate world, in banking. Um, I ran a business unit of around 200 people. I was very much a striver, um, mm. trying to go up the corporate ladder until I basically burnt out mm. for many reasons. Um, I used to be a competitive runner. Basically, I burnt out physically, I burnt out mentally. And um, the work I do now, you know, helping people flourish through mindfulness. Mindfulness is part of my journey. Mm. So 10 years ago, or just over 10 years ago, I found myself um, basically suffering from postnatal depression. Mm. I had um, a really, uh, my pelvis was buggered. Mm. <laughs> I um, From pregnancy or from running? From running through pregnancy, pregnancy yeah. from yeah. running too long. I was energetically worn out as well. So I found myself on a mindfulness course. Um, I'd actually gone to a counsellor who came to the realisation, well, we came to the realisation together that part of the reason I was there was I would never sit still. Mm. 
my mind would never be still, my body would never be still, I was kind of addicted to productivity. So she said, uh, have you thought of mindfulness? Mm. I was like, what's that then? Mm. Mm. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. No. Um, I'm but ten, was this 10 years ago, did you say? 10 years ago. Yeah, see, that's 10 years ago. I wonder if there'd be many people that really knew what mindfulness was 10 years ago. Yeah, I think the revolution, or because it's become a little bit of a revolution, um, of mindfulness was just starting. Yes. Um, but so I went home. I looked it up, and I'm a good student. I signed up for a course. Yeah. So and that has been a journey. There's ten years of what's got me to where I am today. Mm. Um, and I just noticed I not only did it help me deal with chronic pain that I was suffering from my physical injuries, helped me deal with the pain in my head mm. um, it helped still my mind and make me more self-aware but I noticed as a leader in the workplace I just turned up so differently in my relationships I like to think I'm the same person inside but how I show up is quite different yeah. one of the things you mentioned there is like 10 years ago no one really knew what mindfulness was I still think now today we, we quite often say mindful or be mindfulness but don't still don't really have a clear idea for some people about what that actually is mm -hmm. What's your definition? <laughs> How would you explain it? So, so I'll tell you the definition and then I'll tell it, give you a bit more context behind it. Because when you say the definition, I think without the context, it still falls a bit mm. flat. Mm -hmm. So to be mindful mm. is to be present with what's going on in the moment. And that means being aware of what's happening in your body, like your experience mm. in your body but also what you're experiencing in terms of how you're feeling emotionally, what thoughts are coming up mm. in your head. And that's powerful because when you become aware of what's going on in the moment, you can then start to respond rather than react. Yes. Um, and so that you're not maybe as overwhelmed by your environment. Mm. Um, you know, I sometimes say it's about experiencing the nature of reality mm. because we're quite often not in the moment. Mm. And one of the reasons we're not in the moment is because our minds are busy. But the other reason we're not in the moment is because sometimes the moment sucks. Mm, yes. So we'll do anything to avoid the moment. Mm -hmm. We'll sit on the sofa and binge watch series on Netflix with a glass of wine. Mm, yeah. Or we'll go online shopping or outside. And I just want to say, if anybody's done that, there's no judgment because that's the no, other I think thing. We've all done it. Yeah, <laughs> I know I have, you know. Um, or we, you know, it's called num numbing or blocking. We'll do anything to avoid uncomfortable stuff. Mm. And in the process of trying to avoid, avoid uncomfortable stuff, we actually suffer more. Mm. Absolutely. That's, and, and it's interesting because I think what probably flicked up in my head there when you're talking about avoiding things. That's a lot with addiction with people as well, isn't it? So totally. rather than being in a situation where they're... Because it's, it's a tricky thing to sit with a feeling. It's a tricky thing yeah. to really, truly sit with a feeling in terms of where you are and why you're feeling that way. Yeah. And I think as humans, we're so programmed to distract ourselves from something. Do you know, I was reading a really interesting thing the other day about this woman that had suffered from really terrible emotional eating. And the whole thing about it was stress. Yeah. Was that as soon as something came up that seemed difficult, she would almost deal with it by eating her way through it. Yeah. But eating her way through it while dealing with it, it was about a, a, a really tricky daughter that she had. That she had. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because then, as you say, these people, that all of us, no matter what it is we're using to not sit with a, an emotion, we're then dealing with the repercussions of that. So she was saying she dealt with the repercussions of gaining 40 kilos, and yep. then she just found it really hard to be motivated. See how it makes it worse. Absolutely. And, and absolutely, absolutely you're right in terms of not wanting to sit with emotion because what's underneath that is so much messier mm. and more difficult to um, unpick. And that addiction is quite yes. often, it's a symptom of something much deeper. And I watched a movie the other day, which I really recommend you can download it, called The Wisdom of Trauma. Mm. Um, by Gabor Mate and he's written a few books and he does a lot of work around addiction and his hypothesis is that most addiction comes from a deep trauma that we have suffered normally mm. in childhood mm. um, uh, that we will try to kind of avoid like going into that so I do a lot of work so um, when I do mindfulness one of the things that I kind of bring as an extra lens is what I call trauma-sensitive mindfulness 
because if I was to get some, say somebody that comes on my mindfulness course, because once you start to become aware mm. of what's going on mm. and actually looking into the eye of the beast, it can trigger mm. a lot of stuff. Mm. So being trauma sensitive might mean, so for example, the breath could be something that's quite triggering to people. And one of the meditations is awareness of breath. So I might say, if you notice that this is uncomfortable, you might go to feeling your hands in your lap or, but if they get to a point where they're actually starting to go into their mind and they're seeing some of these uncomfortable things, you let them go in just to a point where it's uncomfortable, have a little look, and then they come back out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen those balls that um, kids have. They're like yes. a cage and yes. they go out yeah. and in. Yeah. So you almost imagine that you're going out to a point where it's uncomfortable. You're not going right into the center of it, mm -hmm. and then you come back in to safety, then you go. So you, but you're pushing a little bit each time, so, so yeah, you just go a little bit mm -hmm. further in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Would mindfulness in that sense, for people where it is trauma related, work hand in hand with counselling too. 100%. So, um, yeah, it actually really works very complementary. Mm. Um, and so, because you're really starting to, so to a certain degree, on the eight week course I do, we do a little bit around, you know, working with the difficult um, thought patterns, negative self beliefs, starting mm. to understand your self talk, mm. um, all of these little habits that we all have. Um, so you go into it to a certain degree, but a going into counselling would go in and unpick that a lot more. Yeah, sure. yes, yeah. But the mindfulness is great because then you're building some tools around you to then help support you. So it's, I guess, I quite often use fitness analogies. Mm. So like, you know, because I used to be a runner. So, you know, you, you get a coach that specifically tells you what you need to do to do a certain distance, whether it be 1500 metres. But you might join kind of a regular running group where you, you go out with, and mm. so the two together complement each other. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And and I suppose the thing is too, that while the counselling is um, dealing with that specific trauma that you've identified, the thing is that the practice of mindfulness is something that you want to actually be able to continue to apply. You're not applying it to move past a trauma. Yeah. You're applying it in your everyday life in order to be able to be more present. Yeah, because whether you've suffered trauma or not, and um, 92% of humans will suffer trauma at some point in their yeah. life, 92%, and that stat was before COVID, so yeah. I actually wonder if it will be higher. Yeah. But whether you have suffered or are suffering or will suffer, just to be in the world nowadays, mm. Mm. Yeah. mindfulness is really um, something that is so useful for us to navigate this world. It's more uncertain than ever. Mm. It goes at breakneck speed. Mm. We're in this kind of productivity addicted culture mm. and system. Um, and I call I call the world that we live in like a Vegas on our senses. Mm. So you've been to Vegas, or there's mm. something to do, or mm. somewhere to go. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, we have these weapons of mass distraction that are our phones yeah. attached to us all the time. Um, there's so many expectations on us. And um, we're normally juggling kids, work, you know, uh, especially for women, it's like you know, our number one apparently uh, insecurity or vulnerability is that um, we are imperfect, mm, yeah. you know, and perfect doesn't exist, mm. yet we're always striving mm, yeah. for it. So mindfulness can be that kind of, I guess, a uh, little bit of a foundation of, of a rock or a home base that you can come to when your mind's flying everywhere or where all these things around you, this storm which mm. we're in, it just gets, it gives you that home base. Yeah, mm. sure. Mm. Yeah. Can I take you back a few steps um, when you're talking about trauma? Because I grew up in the age of watching ER on TV, and there was always you know that sort of physical yeah. trauma. Yeah. We're talking a lot about emotional trauma and things that come up. What are some examples that people may have been through a trauma but not actually recognise that that might be something? Yeah, well, it's such a... Um, huge subject so mm. the first thing is trauma can be passed down three generations mm. as far as they know at the moment it could be more so your grandmother could have gone through trauma that you still have in your system mm. yeah, I find that yeah. Unbelievable. so that's that's what one thing that's pretty amazing um, the other thing is you could just witness somebody else's trauma mm. so if you saw your children I don't know going through a massive trauma a big illness or mm. something like that that can cause you to have trauma. Mm. And also the trauma doesn't have to be necessarily the type of trauma that we think of in terms of um, uh, physical abuse, or it doesn't have to be like extreme trauma. Mm. It can be 
quite subtle. I mean, you know, when I started to unpick my trauma, like I had a re reasonable childhood, but I had, you know, quite critical parents mm -hmm. that wanted the best for me, mm. but they would more often point out everything that I did wrong and everything mm. I did right. So there's this kind of not enoughness, which we yes. hear a lot about. It's yeah. like nothing's enough. So that in itself is a little bit of a trauma, especially when you're a child and you, so it doesn't, if you're saying to yourself, I think this affects me, but like um, other people are so much worse off. You've got to really honor your own experience. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's quite key, isn't it? Because uh, I use that with my mother a bit at the moment, you know, she's like, oh, you know, woe is me. And I was like, yeah, but you have your health, you have this. And it's not really actually giving her like that justification with her feelings yeah. as yes. well at the same time. Yeah. So I guess, you know, yeah. we're guilty of that too. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's so much said with that. I mean, if you look at so many things. You, you look at the fact that now this is mindfulness is something that they teach at school, you know, obviously. Um, but my kids will do uh, small mindfulness projects or they, you know, this is something that they see such an incredible need for now. Yet as the adults of this generation, it's about us actually realising, well, if they have, if all of a sudden they were deciding to teach at school, like far more about technology than they ever would have when I was at school, yeah. we think, okay, well, we need to upskill ourselves. We're in this society where we need to upskill ourselves. That's no different to recognising, okay, well, they're teaching mindfulness at school now. This is obviously something that they believe that a human that is engaging in this world has to know about. Yeah then as adults, it's so important that we look at that as well and think, okay, how can we upskill ourselves to be in a situation that we're getting the benefit from this too? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is, again, it goes back to as women, I think we always put everybody else first, do you know? Yeah. So I enrolled my kids, we went through a really big change in our family and I enrolled my two older boys into a mindfulness class for a term. Really, probably should have enrolled myself. Yeah, but you don't. <laughs> yeah, because you think, okay, well, here's someone that's going to be able to directly help my kids, and they really need this. Where actually, if as being the adult in the house, mm. I actually have some more of those practices, then I'm in a far better position to help them on a daily basis. Hundred percent. But we put ourselves at yeah. the end of that pile. It, it's it's change starts with you. So a lot of the works so I run retreats as well, and a lot of the work I do, you can go, go a bit deeper in a retreat, yeah. is around self compassion and how important that is. Because I think generally uh, women, particularly, um, we put you know our children, everyone else, and we get the slim pickings of what's mm. left. And being self compassionate or self care. Mm we see as almost being selfish, Yes, you know? But how you show up directly impacts all those people around you. So a lot of the work around emotions that I do, I talk about um, the reality of emotional contagion, which we would have seen really um, prevalent through COVID. You know, like you could feel the emotions almost of the yes. city around yeah. you, you know? But emotions are particularly contagious um, if you've got a close personal connection or there's a power difference. But as a parent, you have both, yes. you know? And so, you know, I started to become really aware, and this was an, another reason why I changed my life so drastically and left the corporate world, because how I was showing up as a parent, mm. um, you know, I could, do all, I could do all the things for my kids to get them set up, but I was coming in frazzled. Mm. I was processing them, you know, like yes. rather than enjoying them. Yeah. Um, and so as soon as I started to do the work, so it's been three years of me doing work on myself through, well, I've done 10 years of practice of mindfulness, but for three years since I left um, the workplace, I've also done a lot of, uh, you know, counseling and things like that. And I am, I show up so differently now and my children show up differently. Mm. You know, they do mindfulness at school, but really they are so much calmer mm. and, and so much different mm. just because I'm different. Mm. And they've, so they've caught my emotional contagion. Because yes. emotions being contagious could be seen as a, a contagion could be a bad thing mm. if you're like frazzled, anxious, stressed, mm. angry. But if you're feeling calm, yeah. grounded, grateful, mm. Um, you know, inspired, that's going to um, be contagious to your kids as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. because you do get that, I feel like you can get that with somebody just walking in the room, but you just get that aura yeah. off them, don't mm. you? Yeah. And then with that sport, going back to sporting analogies, yeah, yeah. 
on a netball court, if someone's head is down or if on the rugby field or something, or someone is like just, they're not believing in themselves, the whole team just goes down. Yeah. You know, and that's why we're always like, head up, head up, you know, you know, or, you, you know, propping each other up. Yeah. yeah. Cause, and then, because I know that when I play, do play, and I feel like that, it's like, as the central position, it's yeah. like, I need to be up because mm. they all look to me to be mm. defensively and attacking, linking everybody. Yeah. So I need to always be constantly up. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It, it's interesting. So you've said that in the 10 years that you've been doing mindfulness work, that you noticed that you showed up in your workplace really quite differently. In everything. Yeah. Mm. So, which is so exciting for people, I think, in many ways, isn't it? Mm. Because... I think that whether someone's in a workplace at the moment that they're not enjoying or they don't like. I mean, I look back to my last corporate workplace before I went and had children and then started working for myself. And the person that showed up there to the person who I actually truly believe I am could not be more different. Yeah. Because you are in a situation where you're having to process people or you're having to complete disciplinary actions or you're having to... Yeah. It's just so unpleasant. Mm. Yeah. Yet... I think that we can still move through some of these quite unpleasant things in a different way, showing up as who we want to in a far more compassionate yep. sense. So how, how do people start, what can people do? How do people Practice start being mindful? How do they yeah. begin the process? Well, um, you use the word practice, and the first thing I'll say is it is a practice. So the thing about mindfulness I say is like, um, it's very simple but it's not necessarily easy. Mm. So it's simple in that it's really about you coming back to your body. So your mind will always want to wander. So um, one of the myths is, is that like sitting, because you, you the way you practice is through meditation, mm, but there just, are other yeah. things mm. as well that you can do as well that are almost like a form of practice, like a form of moving meditation. But um, the reason you meditate is you start to basically watch the nature of your mind. It's not about stopping your mind thinking. Mm. A lot of people think it's like, they'll go, oh, I've tried meditating, but I just sit there yeah. and my, my mind's like a cat on a hot tin roof. Mine too. You know, like I will sit there and, I, and all of a sudden you look at it and you go, man, my mind is mean. Yeah. Man, my mind mm. is busy. Wow. What, gosh, it's all over the place. It's here, it's here. And literally just watching it. But you're also trying to see if you can um, get it to be more focused and concentrated. So we're in this kind of world of distractedness. So we've always got different things drawing our attention. So in the meditation, you might do some that's like a meditation of breath. So you are focusing on your breath. And as you do that, your mind will still keep wandering. So, you know, I'll say something like, feel the breath come in, and then you kind of, oh, did I put the washing on? Yeah. <laughs> and every time you notice that mind go off mm. and you bring it back to what you're supposed to be focusing on, it's like a bicep curl for the brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, is the, that is the mindfulness. Mm. So you do it in a formal practice of sitting, and it could be as well, I do things like just focusing on, we do like a body scan. I might do one where it's like focusing on sound. So objects of concentration. And then also like just looking, watching your mind. Because I say like emotions, thoughts, they're like the weather. They mm. come and they go. Mm -hmm. So like with emotions, we might go, I am stressed. Or you're not stressed. You feel stressed, mm, yeah. but you're not stressed. Mm. Um, and we start to notice as well this, I call it the, um, the inner critic Spotify playlist that goes on. Yeah. You know, and I'm really aware of kind of how, crit I started to become so aware and it's still there of how critical I am mm. you know and the doubts that come up and all of a sudden you see it um, and so it's really useful once you see it you can start to is that react versus respond you start to go oh I'm not going to give myself a hard time I see you I see that you're mm. telling me I'm not mm. good enough thanks but you're you kind of come back to you know whatever you're doing or not letting that thought mm. take you down mm. a little wormhole that mm. it can do as you practice more, what you then start to become aware of is things that triggered you before. You maybe notice the visceral response in your body of the trigger. If somebody says something quite, you know, like your partner says something really mm. innocent and you feel that, but you notice it, you've noticed the feeling. It doesn't stop you feeling that, but you don't maybe have the reaction. Yes. Mm. Or you start to get up out of bed and you go, I'm feeling really anxious today. Now, what would that be be about let's mm -hmm. have a little look actually that's what it's about you know so you start to kind of almost do doing a little bit of that self-analysis 
very naturally mm. um, you just noticed as well that you just tend to have because you've dealt with the emotions and the thoughts up front they're not building up mm. so mm. you're not gonna all of a sudden you know scream at your kids yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. or you're gonna notice that they're bothering you but you'll kind of come down to their level talk mm. to them calmly mm. you know so you just I guess you're attending to your life much more in the moment yeah. yes so that things don't build up yeah yes yeah coming back to that you know like you said just being present as yeah. well and being able to understand the situation and actually what's going on from it, mm. different people as well yeah. as yourself too but obviously how you react to things yeah mm. and, and and I just I'm sorry to um, just kept works in my mind something that's really important I think for all of us to remember is our reality our life becomes what we practice mm. so if we practice always being self-derogatory putting ourselves down not looking after ourselves not giving ourselves that mm. self-care saying we're not good enough that is going to be what our reality is particularly when we go through uncomfortable stuff that's going to become even more right mm. rather we're starting to go down a different path and start to practice a little bit as cheesy as it may sound a little bit of self-love yeah mm. Or at least self-acceptance, yeah. mm. or maybe even self-friendliness. Mm. Yeah. If self-love is a little bit too self-friendliness is a really nice way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. little steps. Yeah, right, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's important to keep coming back to that thinking about what do you practice on a daily basis, mm. yeah. and is it helping you or mm. is it hindering you? Mm. It's really interesting, just with you saying being aware of. It's funny. I had a situation this morning. This is. But it's being aware of your situation, like what's my reaction about, like, mm. you know, something happens with the kids and, and wow, that was a big reaction to something that... Where did that come from? Because it's probably nothing about yes. what they did. And then this morning I had a situation where I get really annoyed with them leaving drawers just out all the time or just the tap on and they do their teeth and they walk away. Anyway, I noticed this morning that... The only person that had been in the room that could have left the drawers out <laughs> ah, was you. Oh, no. And I was like, isn't this interesting? Because mm. if you'd been in here with me, I would poor child. Yeah. I would have assumed it was you. Yeah. And next time we walked in here, I would have said, I've told you to jolly well close those drawers. Yeah. And then I wouldn't have listened to you telling me that you'd left them open. Mm. And it's interesting. It's the blame card. Yes. Yeah, and the blame but, card's so destructive. Yes. Yeah. And it's also thinking about what, what is this actually about? You're not actually annoyed about the drawer. You're actually annoyed that you've got all these things that you've got to do today and you feel like you're going to run late, and, you know? And it's, it's yeah. really interesting because you're so right. Once you start noticing it and start being aware of where your thought's going and actually... I say to myself a lot, like, what actually is the issue here? Yeah. Uh, the ability to process through that or be more gracious in the moment or be more accepting is so much easier, yeah. isn't it? And just as much as, like, I don't know, 10 minutes of meditation a day, what you will notice is you... Is you so the interesting thing about meditation is it's not like when you go for a run or something, you get the endorphins mm. after. You come away and you're like, oh, it's 10 minutes wasted. But it isn't mm. because then you get to a situation like that. Mm. You'll notice those situations more and you'll just notice it and then not, you know, react, you know, yeah. go into the blamer. Because yes. the blaming is a funny one because mm -hmm. I've always I've been such, you know, um, I'm Lottie and I'm a blamer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, I have been such a blamer in my life. And, um, you know, when any and it's whenever anything's uncomfortable, you notice yourself going to that reactivity, mm -hmm. blaming, yeah. you know, and um, so I, I started noticing that a lot, you know, this is the, the thing that sucks about when you become more mindful is you realise yeah. it's like the self-awareness is, yeah. is a bit of pill to swallow yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Oh, this issue is actually me, <laughs> yeah. not anyone else. Oh, no, I remember one morning, because like my husband and I was saying before we started the interview, is super tidy, which is so awesome, like, because I'm not necessarily tidy, mm. but I like a tidy house. And one of the things he does is because I'll leave my, my clothes by the bed and he folds them, them up nicely for me. Oh, how brilliant. I know. Yeah. But my shoes, like, I'll take my shoes off and um, I'll, he'll sort of put them neatly by the bed. And then they, it got to the point where I'd had so many shoes that there was like this big line yeah. and I tripped over them one day. Yeah. And I went to myself, bloody James, why does yeah. it? And then I went, in that moment, I went, hey, yeah. 
I leave my shoes by the bed and neatly, without complaining, yeah. every morning he tidily puts them oh, up. It's it's, so and it, but it was in that moment where yes. I was in a rush yes. and I was stressed. It's so easy to think, who can I lash out to? Because uh, yeah. I don't mm. like how I'm feeling right yes. now. Yes, mm. and that's what it is, isn't it? Mm. But we don't sit long enough with that. We no, don't sit, no. and, and I suppose I think about where the season that we're at probably with little kids yeah. is that there's so much of that. There's so much of that. There can be so much of that. Oh, it's rushed and you've ended up growling. And actually now I don't like how I'm feeling in that situation. Yeah. But rather than thinking, so maybe don't growl, we think, oh, come on then, we've, you know, and it's interesting. And then we beat ourselves up. Yeah, Then we totally. go, oh, I'm such a bad mother, yes. or I'm such a bad partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. or they tell you, which is helpful too. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at how your mindfulness practice started mm -hmm. versus what it looks like now, mm -hmm. what, what is, how does that look? So sure. I suppose it's looking for somebody, um, uh, look, for somebody looking, okay, what, what are some of the things that I can do? So I can set aside 10 minutes a day and during that 10 minutes, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be looking at my thoughts. Yeah. Um, I'd say to get started. So how I got started was I went on um, the eight week course that I now teach and that's not a plug, but yeah. I think if we you don't mind, find but it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I went, so because what it does, it's like if you want to get fit, some people will join like a boot camp or something yes, like yeah. that to give them that structure that and then they out. kind of, so what you will find in a structured course and the eight week course I do, a lot of people are put off by the fact that it's eight weeks, but the reason um, I specifically went on that course and why I teach it is this is the one that all the, if you hear about all the science and the research mm. that says mm. like mindfulness, you know, changes, it decreases stress by this much, it um, uh, changes your biochemistry, changes your brain, that's done on this course. Mm -hmm. So none of the other courses out there are the ones that the science is based on. And it because it also takes that length of time for you to start to notice a difference. In the eight weeks, you explore different um, themes. So you'll do like working with difficulty, you'll start to look at how you make choices, start to look at where you spend your time, you know, are you spending your time on things that nourish you or drain you? Mm. Are you living, are you spending your time on what matters most in your life? Mm. You also learn all the practices of which there are many. So you've almost got this toolkit to then go forth mm. in terms. So I did that to start with, and then I kind of had a regular practice. I did have, I have used apps. I don't use an app now. Mm. Um, because actually what I've learned over time is I like sitting in silence. Yes. So um, I'll just put a timer on. Uh, and then I also go on a silent retreat once a year, which I don't, I'm not necessarily saying to people that they have to go on that. For me, even just to keep my teaching um, registration, mm. it's important I do a seven day mm. silent retreat, but it is hugely beneficial. And if people have a regular practice, I would say to deepen your practice, that's a really great way yeah. to do. But it can start with as little as like you could get an app and do a course via an app. Mm. The reason why an in-person course is great is because it's the group work that's so powerful. Yes. Because, you know, I will lead people Discussion. through a meditation and I'll go, what do people notice? Mm. And someone might go, I find it really hard to sit still. Another one goes, me too. Yeah, so you yes. don't feel, because quite often what's going on inside our heads we think we're defective, yeah. we think we need fixing, yeah. we're not good enough, we're doing it wrong. There's no wrong way to do meditation. Mm. Just sit there, probably if it's a really uncomfortable 10 minutes, like that's a good sign. Mm. You yes. actually you actually need to do it. that, like why is it that that's so uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so start any way that suits you. I know some people, it's hard to get out of the house and do group work, so if you can do an online one, get an app, Something that gives you that structured time every day. You don't need to do like 30 to 40 minutes to start with. Start with where you're at. Yeah. So if you can do, I've got some meditations that you can get on Insight Timer or SoundCloud and they're like three to four minutes. Mm. Yes. And actually they are beautiful to put in when you're in that point where all of a sudden you notice you're frazzled mm -hmm. um, just as a circuit breaker. Mm to give you that little like to switch out of autopilot yeah. yes. and go it through the day and yeah. say to yourself what do I need right now yeah yes. even through a busy work day isn't it yes. you can just take some time out yeah I mean I know yeah from meditation 
there was one day where I'm pretty sure I used meditation three times throughout that day. Yeah. And that was just purely bringing myself back to my breath yeah. to calm me down and then just to bring me refocus as well. There were mm. three different three different things that happened in that day. Mm. Yeah. One or two of them might have just made me quite angry. One when I was yeah. driving too. But I was able, and it wasn't rage, it was something, a message that had come through, but I just managed to calm myself down so that I could then analyze, yes. analyze that. Yes. Yeah. Knowingly. Yes, I find it really powerful with, with the kids. I find that I had a morning exactly like that, exactly as we were discussing the other morning, where it just did not, nothing went well, and it just went from bad to worse. And then I dropped the kids off, and while it was a really big relief to be dropping them off, then set in the, how could I have done that differently? How could I have actually done that morning differently? Because now I'm going to feel rubbish until the end of the day when I yeah. see them, and can actually process that with them and I went home and did a 10 minute, 10 minute meditation on being a better parent yeah. and the reason but it was really powerful yeah because it, it took you back to have a look and have a look in the moment what were you doing in the moment be a bystander and have a look at how you were reacting have a look at how your child was reacting to that situation and what could you do differently and almost immediately within something really short like that even if you only take one thing from it but the one thing that I took from it was that the next time that I was beginning to feel like that, I was like, okay, what advice would you give yourself if you were looking at mm. how you were choosing to react at the moment? Yeah. You would tell yourself to calm the heck down. <laughs> but, and also your best friend would give you because what Absolutely. we do is we then go, oh, I'm such a crap mother. Oh, why don't you do it better? So it's it's a really important part of mindfulness is, is the attitudinal yeah. kind of foundations, which are things like, Patience, mm. um, kindness, um, trusting, trusting in yourself mm. and trusting in others, um, like non-striving, letting go. Mm. You know, I think letting go is a big one as a parent. I call it dropping the rope. Mm. You think when you're with your kids, there's like this kind of metaphorical kind of um, tug of war going on. Mm. And um, you, this is something that was big in COVID. You know, it's like, um, no, you can't eat this. No, you've got to do that. Sometimes you need to know when it's, to drop yeah, the rope because you're, yeah, you're tugging yeah. so hard and it's just yeah. not worth the energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's something that you start to learn. So those kind of attitudinal things that you bring in. The self-compassion, when you look yeah. at an interaction between your child, you could look at it. Great, It's great to analyse it. But if you then analyse it to just beat yourself up, mm. it's not that helpful. Mm. No, absolutely. And I think that, and, and from my perspective, I was like, okay, but it would be great if that didn't happen again tomorrow yeah. morning. Yeah. So what, and, and a, big part of, a big part of it was like, right, you need to just forgive what's happened. Forgive yeah. yourself. You need to... The non-judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself some compassion in that situation. Look down on yourself and give your child some compassion in that situation. Compassion is such a game changer. Mm. And for some people it is terribly hard so i say to people if you can just find one percent one percent more compassion or friendliness mm. towards yourself that creates a little opening and in that opening comes a little bit more yeah and self-compassion has been the biggest thing you know like i realized one of the reasons why i just wore myself into the ground was i actually wasn't very kind to myself yes and it wasn't until i sat my first silent retreat i remember sitting on the silent retreat and like on a silent retreat, you literally, like you don't yeah. say anything, yeah. you can't have your phone or anything like that, so you're not, you're not reading. And so there's just lots of time to just be with your thoughts. And I remember just sitting out, like looking at the view and um, all of a sudden thinking, this is actually the kindest thing I've done for myself for a while. Like not needing to have a to-do list, to, you know, yeah. to be there for someone, have no commitments and, you know, just be with myself and realizing how it had been so hard for me to be kind to myself. Yes. Um, so for the mothers, the overstrivers, the people that are workaholics, you probably bring a little bit of kindness yes. in. Yes. Mm. And, and we don't. And um, the other thing that I was reminded of when you were talking was this, what we start to do when we become really busy and caught in, it's kind of a trance that we're in mm. of how the world wants us to be. Um, we can lose focus on what matters most. Yeah. So I was spending three days a week up in Auckland because half my team were up there. I was spending time running. I was spending time on everything, but I wasn't really spending time on being and enjoying my children, yes. which are the, the most important thing in my life. Yeah. Um, I wasn't spending time on really giving myself a rest. Yeah. So my body or 
I wasn't spending time at that time in my marriage because that was my previous marriage, you know. It didn't break down for just by accident. It's because mm -hmm. I wasn't attending to things that mattered mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So now, and that if that's what, you know, not living with integrity is, it's not that we're bad people. We just have lost our way and we're not focusing our attention on what matters most. Mm -hmm. So just by stopping regularly and going, am I really putting my focus on what matters? And, you know, another thing that I put a lot of focus on was how I looked. Mm -hmm. I would, I would, was such a perfectionist on my body, you know, and I would, I would probably 20 times a day think awful thoughts about how I looked, mm. that I wasn't thin enough, I wasn't, you know, um, toned enough or whatever. It took so much energy, you know, and now I'm like 48, um, you know, the body's, the body's not perking up, it's going downwards, yeah. you know, it's not, a, but I look at my body with the most love I've ever looked, yeah, you know. Which is mm. such an incredible And it's such a gift, yeah, I know, absolutely. and I, well, I just don't spend, sometimes I'll go past, you know, you got your shorts on in the summer and you notice some steady light on your thighs, that would have sent me into a depression for days, mm, yeah. and now I go, no one's looking, no one else is yeah. looking at my thighs, they're looking yeah, at their absolutely. own thighs. It doesn't actually really matter. Wear the damn shorts, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I really, really like the term self-friendliness. I think that that will be quite relevant to lots of people because, because I mean, I, I have got, I don't find self-love cringy at all. I, I think it's so important. I think that you go through different phases and stages in your life where you step into realizing how much more actually how is someone else going to love me like i deserve if i can't love me like i deserve mm -hmm. and so i think self-love is hugely important but but i think that if i looked five years ago i probably would have thought okay maybe just to give myself a little bit of friendliness would actually be nice yeah. you know mm. when, when i treat one of my friends when i let one of my friends talk to themselves like you're in a monologue sometimes could yeah actually no you would tell them don't you you know yeah. and i mean this is something that bron and i really find which is funny is because we're probably each other's barometer in those senses with certain things you know mm. that we'll talk about like oh i just you know put my jeans on and they weren't feeling great or i'm yeah. got a spot that i'm not happy about mm. and they're like whatever yeah. You're amazing. Yeah. I know. You look incredible. No one's even yeah. noticing yeah. that. If we, if like, we became our own best friend I or know. looked at us like our, our friends I know. do. And it is, it's just, you just feel so much lighter. I just, I, I, spent, I kind of feel like, you know how I said I didn't show up as well. And what I noticed about how I used to show up, I was just so tightly wound up. Yes. You know, just so tightly wound up in every respect and you know I, I, one of the words that was used to describe me was intense yeah, yes, you know yes. which i think we have to be careful about putting labels on because yes. but it's and i used to hate being called that but i look back now and i i kind of i was so focused but it was because underneath it there was a lacking mm, that i yes. was trying to yes. kind of cover up and now I'm like, it's just about meeting yourself where you're at. So we talked about not having self-judgment because, you know, we haven't turned up as a parent or as a colleague or as a wife or whatever. But everybody is doing the best they can yeah. with yes, what they've got exactly. in that moment. Yeah. So the next time, you know, mm -hmm. anybody starts noticing that inner critic, just tell yourself you're doing the best you can. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And that's also a really good time to look around you mm. and think, and everybody else is doing the best they can. Exactly, because that gives you, know? you so much more patience. Abs and compassion, absolutely. Yeah. You, yeah, absolutely. Isn't that so true? That's just a really good practice to think that when you're starting to yeah. doubt yourself or starting to think, oh, I could have, should have, you know, yeah. actually, no, I'm doing the best that I can. And so is everyone else. Yeah. So actually maybe throw them a bone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if they're um, snapping at you, it doesn't mean like we, we look at our kids. If our kids do uh, bad behavior, we say that it's the behavior that's bad. It's not the child. Yes. Yet we don't give that luxury quite often to adults. We think they're a bad person. Yes. We're actually, maybe it's just they the behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. behavior is just like with children, the behavior might be because they're feeling they're not getting your attention or yes. they haven't had enough sleep. Maybe that's the same mm. for other adults. You talked about, um, no, we talked about being triggered and I just want to give an example because I think when you have context to some of these around, you know, what's underneath it when you were saying the other morning, you felt a little bit. So I had a situation happen, uh, it was a couple of months ago there was a client I was working with and they'd been 
were quite hard to deal with. And one of the things that was really aggravating me is whenever this head of HR sent me an email, she always got my name wrong. Oh, yeah, like always. Yeah. And so, you know, it's bloody L-O-T-T-Y, um, uh, but she always spent L-O-T-T-I-E. And every, it's on my signature, I signed it, but every time, we mm. must have had 30 interactions, and every single time she would spell my name wrong. And I could feel myself like getting really pissed because you can, when you're pissed off, you can feel it in your body. Yeah. And and also because they weren't really treating me well as a client, I you know it was all mixed up in that. But and I was feeling quite kind of bitter towards her just because of this one thing. But I wasn't bitter enough that I wanted to call it out because then I thought I'd look a bit you know like finicky. But then I was like, why is it that I so don't like it when people get my name wrong? And when I looked down, it was because one of my my self-limiting beliefs was I'm unimportant. Mm -hmm. And that I was kind of thinking in some way she triggered that because it was like, I'm just not important to her. Mm. She's not going to pay attention to detail. And then I kind of asked myself the question, what do I think is really going on? So there's a few scenarios here. Either she's purposely trying to piss me off, which is probably unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one is that she's just actually really busy and overwhelmed herself and just hasn't realized. Mm. And as soon as I went to that, my whole feeling towards her changed and yes. opened up. Because yes. actually a lot of people, but before, so actually when you get triggered, if you go underneath and find out what it is and then go through the scenarios, then actually you realize the most realistic scenario mm. makes you completely have, like your heart opens to that person. Absolutely. Rather than me just Absolutely. thinking, because the, there's, and even if she was trying to purposely piss me off, then that's probably to do with yeah. her. Yeah. And, and that's the interesting thing, isn't it? And this was something that we actually discussed uh, on, on an interview that we did last week, is there's a really fantastic saying, and I need, haven't looked it up since, but need to, that quite often how people are treating you is more about themselves yeah. than it does say about you. Yeah. And I mean, in that situation, exactly, either, either one of those scenarios, it yeah. says more about her. Yes, she's just completely overworked and busy. Yeah. Or she's trying to really annoy you. Yeah. And, and, I, and both of those things yeah. say more about her yeah. than they say about you. And I think that maybe when we even recognise that sometimes, or we stop long enough, or sit with that thought, or sit with that feeling, or dig deeper, we actually realise, it actually dispels all of those feelings, doesn't yeah. it? And, and even if she, you know, I was unimportant to her that doesn't mean I'm unimportant yeah, yeah, but it's understanding what what beliefs are being triggered is really valuable because then you can start to go in, go into that yes. like the not enough mm. I'm not enough which mm. is just I think possibly everyone on the planet has probably yes. got that because we're in a society which is telling you that you need to have more all the time yes. and do more and be more rather than just like if we can meet ourselves where we're at whatever we're thinking, looking, doing, you know, meet ourselves where we're at, knowing we're doing the best we can. Mm. That doesn't mean that we don't want to become more, but if we can accept and meet ourselves where we're at, that's unbelievably liberating. Mm. Mm. And it's actually okay exactly where you are. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think mindfulness is such a huge topic and, yes. it, and it affects yeah. us in so many different areas of our lives. Like I would love like for people to come off this and be able to implement some sort of mindfulness practice in their lives yep. without having to have something catastrophic happen. Yes. Like burnout, like the death of mm. someone really close to them to really start to reprioritize things. Yes. Because that was a big one for me. When my brother went, it was all of a sudden like, he's gone so early at 40, where am I spending my time? So that's why I cut mm. back on my work to spend more time with my family. And the same respect, I'll be like, Georgia, spend, don't spend time with the family. Like as much as like, that's because we're in two different directions. Who's mm. spending time with the family? My mum. So, yeah. you know, it's like, so I've been since then so much more involved with the family. And this is my absolute happy place. Like I feel mm. like really fulfilled as mm. well. And I am mindful of where we are and what we're doing, why we are with each other as well. I was going to say, this is the gift of challenges mm, so we absolutely. go through challenges and like you know i've got this saying life sucks and it sings and it sucks and it sings mm, mm. so savor the singing bits mm. you know and um no embrace the suck and no it won't yeah. last so like an awful terrible thing happened to you 
which won't be changed, but right. what you've got out of that is the mm. gift of knowing what really is important. So I'm gonna mm. well up here, what's <laughs> really important to you. Yes, mm. And that is the gift that is left you. Yes. You know, if I look back to my many mistakes and which I call my excellent mistakes now, yes. <laughs> and, like um, and challenges, you know, even like the fact that, you know, I've got, a double, I've got two fake hips, bionic hips, double hip replacement. That's not happened by accident. Mm. I literally ran myself into the ground. But it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I've got such respect of, for my body now and what it can mm. do for me and how I can move it. And, you know, and yeah. so it's like, it's given me the, a gift. Yeah, it's absolutely. that adage, isn't it? It's that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I think that if, it's a, if it is a traumatic event or it's a negative experience, you think, oh, this couldn't happen for any good reason. Yeah. That reason will show itself as yes. well, won't it? It's mm. kind of like, it'll take its time and it'll, you'll show some more appreciation in different areas of your life as well. Or, or there's a learning for it. Or, yeah. Do you know? Because I think that's, it, it, it's funny. It's funny because I find that everything happens for a reason, a hard thing to sit with as well. Mm. I, yeah. I believe things do happen for a reason. But yes, I think but that, that when it's in a case of trauma or mm. a case of loss, that can really just produce such angry thoughts. Yeah, about, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean that, it was meant to be, no. but it's like what this what, sucks. But what, what can I take yeah, from this? Yeah. And if but to do that, we have to be with it, and that mm. comes back to being with uncomfortable, difficult, yeah. crappy, mm. shittest of the shit stuff. Mm. If we turn away from that, we're not gonna see the insight, and then that's just gonna hang around for longer and longer yeah. and longer. Yeah. I mean, you know, like grief. You never, you never get over leaving some, losing someone, but there may be something you can take forward yes. in your mm, life. Absolutely, mm, you know, yeah, absolutely. that doesn't mean that there's not always going to be a loss there. No, but maybe there is still something you can take. Mm, yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think, um, I mean, I think we could obviously sit here all, all day. <laughs> it's yeah. very cosy, and it's not lovely Wellington to be outside <laughs> at all. Um, and so we've talked about some meditation, silent retreats. Um, I know I've been on a day silent retreat, which wasn't as confronting as a seven day silent retreat yeah. as well you know yeah. something maybe work yourself up to yeah um i feel like from what you've been talking about as well like that's where journaling can be really helpful is where again writing down those thoughts and that processing and coming out and like we've said before sometimes i know journalists say see this is it you know like you can yeah. really talk to yourself through those thoughts and come out the other side yeah as and, well. and with journaling um so a top tip with journaling that completely changed my journaling is just ask yourself questions mm. important questions yes. there's a poet called david white who talks about asking beautiful questions mm. and beautiful questions they might not even have an answer right now just write them down and it will come up Yes, that's good. And so what I so like one of the questions I ask myself because I do um, there's a blog that you can share around tender discipline. I do a lot of work around tender discipline, and what brought that up was I asked myself, "What's my relationship with discipline?" Mm. And I literally asked myself the question, did it like a mind map, and it was go hard or go home. Like you give something to Lolly, she's gonna do it even if she kills mm. herself. Um, but also my relationship with uh, discipline meant I could procrastinate a lot because I put things off, put things off, put things off until I couldn't put them no off any longer. And then I would literally binge work and not even not even eat, like just go on for hours and hours mm -hmm. without a rest. So it was really, and so I realized my relationship with discipline was like boot camp. And actually the word discipline means to be a disciple to yourself. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I thought of that, so that changed it. But just mm. that blog, that like mm. that um, sort of journaling exercise. So you could ask yourself something else like, you know, how often do I feel that I am critical or, um, you know, critical to myself? How often do I think that I am, what, no, what does rest look like for me? You know, just mm. it could be little mm. questions mm. that you could put yourself and journal like that. Because I used to think journaling is like when you're 13 years old and you go, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I like this boy and I had yeah, that for breakfast yeah, and I yeah. want to buy that outfit from so and so. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's actually asking yourself yeah. those useful little questions yes, yeah. um, that come up. Yeah, so, um, we'll yeah. that link yeah. as well, that'd be awesome. All right, talking about questions, shall we do our oh, yes, fast yes. five questions oh, to finish oh, with? Yeah. yeah, excellent. Um, so first question is, what advice would you give to your younger self? What advice would, um, rest more and um, you're doing the best you can. Mm. Yeah. 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 Which then in turn brings it about so much more kindness to yourself, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. What's the worst advice you've ever received? The worst advice. Well, that's a good one because I've had like the best advice, but the worst advice. 
Um, actually, I don't know if it's like a di I directly got this from a person, but so I'm quite a, a you could say vivacious, but um, <laughs> I'm a very direct person and I'm very enthusiastic. So like that you have to dim yourself mm -hmm. to fit in with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I spent a lot of my time trying to change who I was okay. because I felt I was too polarizing, you know, mm -hmm. so to be a certain way or you, or you won't be liked. Yeah. Whereas now, another bit of advice yeah. my, to my younger self is, you do you. Yes. Yeah. That's a big one. And they can catch up or not. And, yeah. and, 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 yeah. 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 and people yeah, that your people that are going to like absolutely. you, they're going to like you, and people that don't, yeah. then they're not, and that's yeah. probably about them. Yeah. 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 That's all. Who has been your biggest influence? Um, that's a good one. I. I actually want to say my husband and my last husband. Mm -hmm. um, both of them have been really big influences because my last husband, who is still a very dear friend, was a very kind and grounded man. We didn't split up because I didn't like, like him or anything. So he started to teach me to kind of be more at peace with myself. Mm. Um, and then my current husband, just because He's then allowed me to really flourish. He's been so supportive in terms of um, how me starting my own business and everything like that. They're very different personalities, but I would say possibly my ex-husband, my current husband, have been hugely influential in, I guess, what you could say is my transformation, but really it's yeah. just about coming home to who I am. Mm. Mm. That's awesome, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Because I think that that so goes with the reason, the season, and that there's yeah. something really, I mean, like you say, you're still great, you've got a great relationship with your ex-husband, but how fantastic to be able to look back on something like that with such positivity and such learning and what that person's brought about for you. And uh, the other thing is because, you know, I, um, I left my ex-husband and he was incredibly hurt and a lot of people were very mean towards me and judgmental and at no time did he ever have any resentment to me. So I think that was a massive influence mm, of yes. being still being able to be kind, compassionate and accepting even when you're hurting Excellent. deeply inside. So I had yeah. so much respect mm. for him. You know, I could go on to like hugely famous people that are influential, mm. but I think some of our biggest influences are the people. Actually, yeah, daily really yeah, totally. Mm. What is something that you do every day or every week? This is you've probably got a little bit of a list of them. Um, for you to be the best ever version of yourself. So I meditate every day. Mm -hmm. I do breath work. Breath work's been pretty amazing particularly mm. if you've got like stuff to shift mm. and move mm. and be with the people I love most which yeah. are my children my husband mm. they are things every day I spend quality time with my kids mm -hmm. my husband and myself mm. yes. I talked um, a little bit earlier about your raw food yeah. <laughs> I, I do I'm, I'm a big healthy eater yeah. that doesn't mean I don't like a gin and a What's your Achilles heel when it comes to your food? Like, what is something you couldn't live without it? May not. Well, it's interesting. You used to, I, mean, I would have said chocolate, especially I noticed through COVID, mm. there was this British because chocolate that I couldn't do without, and they discontinued it during COVID. Yeah. And I was like, I went round yeah. all the, the, the dairies <laughs> to find like the last bars. But yeah. um, actually, I've found that I'm not eating as much chocolate now, just naturally. Yeah. Um, but I think possibly chocolate and then those blue corn chips, you know, those yes. harvest oh, blue yeah. corn chips. Yeah. They're like crack cocaine to me. I <laughs> open a packet of those, like once the packet's yeah. open. Right. Gone. Oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. It's funny because it's totally on my shopping list for the Saturday. <laughs> and they're like, I'm like, don't touch the blue corn chips. Yeah. Like, they're in the cupboard. I'm like, they're mum's. Yeah. Any of the other chips, but not the blue yeah. corn chips. Yeah. Eat those and we've got problems. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, look, thanks so much, Lottie. This has been fantastic for us. I think one of the things that I absolutely love about getting to spend time with people in different um, areas. Uh, is I personally take so much from it, but it makes me really excited about how much our viewers are actually mm. going to take from something like this as well. Um, I imagine that this is a, a topic that will bring up a lot of questions, um, and we look forward to you letting us know your aha moments tomorrow night, and you'll notice that we'll pop a post up that will give you the opportunity to let you know your aha moments. 
And then on Thursday night, Bronwyn and I will jump on live at half past eight and you'll be able to jump on and have a quick Q&A with us as we unpack some of our learnings from what we've spoken to um, Lottie about today, but also running through what some of those um, aha moments have been for you and any questions that you've got around that. Uh, one of the things that we're really passionate about um, when we are speaking to uh, people that are experts in their field is that this is some, um, that if this is an area of interest for you, that it's something that you are going to be able to take and run with or take mm. and give a try with. So I think Lottie's given us a fantastic um, outline of some of the things that we can do in order to start being more mindful or to start a mindfulness practice, however that looks for us, whether that's something that um, you are going to allocate five or ten minutes to a day, whether it's something that you'll look at doing an eight-week course to kickstart yourself um, to kickstart yourself with. I think that being more present in our daily life is something that is hugely impactful, not only for our personal happiness, but also for the happiness of all the people around us mm. as well. Yeah. Uh, so again, thank you very much. This has been great. I've got lots of learnings Thanks. that I've taken. Um, so I am delighted to be unpacking those with Bronwyn. And look, I imagine that we uh, will have a lot more to talk to you about in the future. Yeah, cool. I don't think this is the last time we'll see Lotta <laughs> <Yeah>. at <laughs> the BB Banter. No, not at all. Awesome. So Thanks thank for you. having me. Thank That's you. Amazing. Thanks. Awesome.